0: When were the first electronic games played, and who was their father?
1: Who was their father? Yes. (laughs) And what are the most promiscuous
0: countries in the world? Promiscuous? (laughs) Oh, this will be interesting. Answers to those and other interesting questions coming up in this episode of The Off-Ramp with Bob. And Marsha. Smith. Welcome to The Off-Ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Well, perspective. What countries are the most promiscuous in the world? What's the definition of that, Marcia?
1: According to World Population Review, the figures are based on the number of sexual partners you've had in your life. Oh, okay. So that's how they rate your promiscuous. Promiscuity. 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 It, it's a promise of skewity
0: <laughs> later, later tonight. <laughs> okay, so tell me, what are the most promiscuous countries in well, the world? Well,
1: that's my question, Bob. You're supposed to answer me.
0: So tell me the answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. I would have said the United States is like number one. Am I wrong?
1: Oh, very. They're oh. they're 22. Oh, 22. <laughs> well,
0: well, well, well. And
1: guess who's behind it? Don't, I don't know. I, 23, France.
0: Really? Yeah. You'd think they'd be a top yeah, five. I know. What's wrong with those people?
1: Oh, so the question is, Bob. Yes. Who are the top three?
0: Okay. The top three most promiscuous countries. For some reason, Scandinavian countries came into my mind because all those movies that came out of Sweden and so forth. So I'll say Sweden.
1: No. Okay. I'm at a loss for okay, this, Marshall. What are they? Okay. Finland. Really? So so that's up there. New Zealand, which is down there, and Slovenia. No kidding. Yes. Finland comes in at an average whopping
0: 50.5 partners' person. Holy cow. <laughs> Fifty five sexual partners in their lives? Yeah, feeling oh. a little
1: inadequate, are you about?
0: Uh, just <laughs> did I not explore enough? You, I don't know. <laughs> no, you did
1: not. US came in at thirty seven point five and wow. France was right behind at thirty six point seven. Okay, at the bottom, nobody wants to be at the bottom of this list, <laughs> okay. but but they got enough problems as it is. I don't think sex is on their mind that much. It's Bangladesh. Wow. And they come in At this will irritate you. At nineteen point sixty seven, that's the bottom. And I'm behind
0: the the whole world. So how did they? This is the average number of sexual Sexual partners partners in a lifetime.
1: Yeah, I assume.
0: Well, I would hope so. It's not like in an afternoon, (laughs) is it? (laughs) Jeez. Maybe in
1: Finland. I don't know. What is the source of that again? The World Population Review. And uh, that's from their statistical abstract.
0: Sounds like that was a boring job. They asked that question in addition to everything <laughs> Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Come I, on. How many
1: all... people lied? Do they lie a lot in Finland? Oh, I'm sure I they mean, do. make the rest of us feel badly about Come ourselves. On. Okay, yeah.
0: now my question. Okay. All right, we got through your sex question. Let's get down to business here. <laughs> when were the first electronic games played, and who was their father? We're not talking about something in this century necessarily. When were the first electronic <laughs> I games you, played? Bob. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, it wasn't in this. Yeah, no, it was in the nineteen seventies.
0: No, sixties. No, fifties. Nope, forty. Nope, thirty. Nope. You could say, you can say, Marsha, uh-huh. that the first electronic games go back more than one hundred eighty years,
1: uh-huh.
0: and that their father is Samuel F. B. Morse.
1: Code, Morse code. Okay. So
0: let me explain this, okay? All right. So, of course, he was the man who perfected the telegraph, and he demonstrated that instant communication could be used for both news and entertainment purposes. If you go to the nation's capital, the original Supreme Court chambers are in the capital downstairs. Uh And there on the wall, you'll see a plaque saying this is where Samuel Morse set up the telegraph and demonstrated it. He strung a uh, wire between Baltimore, Maryland, and the U.S. Capitol, and he impressed the U.S. congressman with news from the Democratic National Convention, which was taking place that summer in Baltimore. So they're standing around getting all these, so-and-so's ahead now. Uh, Oh, wow, interesting, (laughs) okay. But he also let his telegraph be used by chess players in Washington and Baltimore who played each other remotely. So you could say that Samuel Morse invented electronic games because those 1844 chess matches were done via telegraph, the first games ever played remotely instantly and via it was instant chess. communications. And was chess. Yeah.
1: via Morse code. That is a cool answer.
0: Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it was, uh, I had never heard that part of it.
1: And you can play chess now online and all that, but I never thought of it doing it via Morse code cool. Okay, when, where, or how were the first taxes collected, Bob? Can you answer any oh, of those? I
0: think that goes back to ancient times, because we know there were taxes collected in the Bible at least 2,000 years ago, so I bet it goes back to ancient Egypt. Farther. Okay.
1: The earliest taxes were first seen in ancient Mesopotamia, mm. around 6,000 B.C.E.,
0: Wow, that's 8,000 years ago. Yeah,
1: considered to be the cradle of civilization located in and around the current Iraq, these ancients not only came up with taxes, but they came up with all sorts of things like the 24-hour day, 60-minute hour, and the 360-degree circle. Hmm. Anyway, when you paid your taxes, you paid it in goods like 10% of your crop. And 10% was high. That's only in times of war that it had a fork over 10%. But you got your receipt when you gave your taxes in a soft clay tablet. They wrote down your receipt, and then they baked it as your
0: permanent record. And that's where a lot of the early writing comes from. yes yeah. from tax purposes or accounting. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. I
1: just love it. Here's your receipt. You know, punk.
0: <laughs> and
1: honey, open up the receipt drawer. Yeah, nothing
0: you could actually pull, pull out of your pocket 500 there.
1: 500 pounds of receipts oh, a year. Oh, my
0: goodness. Yeah, the big businesses had whole rooms with big clay oh, tablets, apparently. Oh, my God. Hey, speaking of big, where can you find the world's largest butterfly and how big is it?
1: Well, you know, I was not thinking about that this morning. I will give you
0: some uh, some answers here. Thank you. Mexico, Germany, India, or New Guinea? I'll say, oh, New Guinea. And you're right. It is in the coastal rainforests of eastern New Guinea. It's called the Queen Alexandra (laughs) Birdwing. Known as the birdwing butterfly, named for the wife of King Edward VII of England, it is a big butterfly, all right. The wingspan of females can reach a foot wide. No,
1: for, yeah. a, butterfly, for a butterfly, I can see, I can see birds, but a up to a butterfly. foot wide, and that's up wow.
0: to 50% larger than their more colorful males, and nearly 11 inches, or 11 times wider than the average butterfly.
1: Wow. That's interesting. Why are the boys always more colorful in the animal world?
0: So the biggest butterfly is the bird wing butterfly with a wingspan of a foot wide, up to a foot wide.
1: I'd love to see it. Yeah. We've been to the, what is that, the uh, butterfly exhibit at the Milwaukee Museum. You walk in and all those butterflies are flying around. Nothing there with a foot.
0: Scare the hell out of you, would not it? Foot
1: wing? <laughs> Get that out of her! Is that per wing? a foot long no
0: it's a wingspan
1: okay so that's both of them okay Bob we went from promiscuous to what country has the lowest birth rate
0: the lowest birth rate okay
1: think it through
0: I would see it would be something like um, Greenland or Iceland something like it. no think it through think it through what does that mean
1: that means it's obvious if you think of all the countries of the world that number one would be. Okay, not obvious to me.
0: <laughs> What's the answer?
1: Vatican City.
0: Oh, Vatican City, of <laughs> course. They're, they have a
1: birth rate of zero. <laughs> uh, in fact, of the 1,000 residents, there are only 30 that are women. They're mostly married to the Swiss guards who guard the place. Hmm. So that Vatican City is number one. But uh, other than that, who's the next one? Is South Korea. Hmm. Oddly enough, it has the lowest fertility rate globally at 0.9 children per woman. Wow. It's closely followed by Puerto Rico at 1.0, and then uh, followed by Malta, Singapore, and parts of uh, Hong Kong at 1.1 children. So those are the lowest birth rate countries in the world.
0: Okay, Marsha, we have word origins, we have phrase origins. I'm going to ask you where these two phrases came from, okay? Okay. All right. Seen better days... You know that. Look <laughs> yes. at me. I've seen better days. And forever and a day. Where did those two expressions come from? Same source. Seen better days and forever and a day. They're expressions that come from? The Bible. Shakespeare. Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. Seen better days comes from as you like it. Act two, scene two. Oh, I should have known that. True it is. We have seen better days and have with holy bell been knolled to church and sat, et cetera, et cetera. And then the other one, Forever and a Day, is from As You Like It, Act 4, Scene 1. Now tell me how long you would have her after you have possessed her, forever and a day. Those, Orlando said.
1: Those lines were so great
0: that. They, and that's like five, six hundred years yeah, ago, and those expressions have lasted they, all this time. Yeah,
1: people started using them and they still do. But I didn't know it was Shakespeare
0: at all. I like those kinds of things because usually it's one source or the other. It's either Shakespeare or the Bible where a lot of these famous expressions come from.
1: Now, what is the national animal of Scotland?
0: The national animal of Scotland? Yeah. Wow, I don't know. The national animal of Scotland. See,
1: we, got, like, we got the eagle. England has a lion. And Scotland has. <laughs>
0: Scotland has a uh, iguana? <laughs> no. Let's see. The national of Scotland. A little Scottish terrier,
1: maybe? No. Oh, that's a cute idea. Yeah. But no. It's the single-horned mythical unicorn.
0: Oh, it's not even a real animal.
1: No. <laughs> the, the unicorn represents purity, independence, and an untamable spirit, which are all qualities Scottish has long cherished. So they like uh, the qualities of a unicorn, and that's the animal that they choose to identify with. Hmm.
0: Okay. All right, geographic question.
1: Oh, I hate those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Where is a country whose name is Latin for Sunday? A country whose name is Latin for Sunday. Now, I'll give you a hint. It's in the Caribbean. Okay. Latin for Sunday. Bimini? No. What? Dominica.
1: Oh, that makes Christopher sense. Christopher
0: Columbus first laid eyes on what is now known as the Caribbean island nation of Dominica on a Sunday, okay. November the 3rd, 1493, so he named it for Sunday, and in Latin, Dominica means Sunday. That's what Dominica means. Okay. And of course, the island had a name before Columbus arrived. The native Calignago people called their island Watu-Kobuli, <laughs> which means tall is her body
1: tall is her body i don't understand Uh,
0: that but that sounds more interesting than sunday to me i don't know (laughs) going back to your first question okay all right
1: all right let me just say this Bob. what are you yawning
0: for (laughs) don't do that
1: what's the purpose of a yawn bob
0: well uh now this is uh something that they've been studying and they've uh they've been kind of yawning their way through this one and now they think they know the answer Yeah. Have they fallen asleep while doing it is my question.
1: You're hitting the wall here, aren't you? Okay. Today, researchers believe that its primary function is to regulate your brain temperature. Really? Your
0: brain temperature?
1: Your brain is the most energy-hungry organ in your body and uses about 40% of your total metabolic energy. Hmm. That means your brain tends to run hot, and when it needs to cool down, you yawn. Kind of like a computer fan, you know? Oh, no
0: kidding. It kicks on like a computer fan.
1: (laughs) Now we're doing it. People yawn more frequently in cooler climates for some reason, and nobody knows why. Really? But uh, yawn triggers are things like boredom, drowsiness, because your brain needs to be stimulated. And less common events are anxiety, hunger, or even a change of activity. Anytime your brain needs some extra focus, it can trigger a cool down.
0: Uh, wait a minute. So your brain needs to cool down because you're bored? That doesn't make it, sense. It does.
1: It, it tends to run hot when it's not doing anything. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's
0: like a motor that's not connected to something yeah, It just keeps why, spinning that's and spinning? Why, yeah, and then it, it gives gets off, hot
1: if it's bored gives or, off heat. or hungry or something. It just gets too hot. And so you yawn and you bring in cool air.
0: I can't wait for the first teenager to tell that to his teacher.
1: (laughs) Am cooling down my brain? I'm sorry.
0: My brain needed to be cooled down, so the fan (laughs) came on, and that's why I yawned.
1: That's a good one. Oh,
0: my God. I like that. All right. Do we
1: need to go to break already? I think we need a break. Okay. Okay. Let's go.
0: You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And Marsha. Marsha. Smith. Smith. Wake up. We're back, Marsha's had her catnap, and we're ready to move on. Marsha, what makes up 60% of all beverage sales at Starbucks? You like to go to Starbucks. I do. You like Starbucks drinks. Yes, I do. So what makes up 60% of all beverage sales? What do they have in common? 60% of all beverage sales or more at Starbucks. Yeah,
1: well, uh, besides that, they have caffeine in them? no. No.
0: It's just the opposite.
1: They have no caffeine.
0: Well, so much for hot coffee. Year-round, at least 60% of all Starbucks drink sales are for cold beverages. They may have caffeine, but they're not hot coffee. Year-round, including the winter months, at least 60% of Starbucks drink sales are for cold drinks. That's amazing. And in summer months, cold drinks could account for up to 75% of all Starbucks sales. Well, you'd think that would be just the opposite. Yes, you would, wouldn't you? But that was true for most of 2021 and 2022, according to a New York Times article entitled, That Hot Cup of Joe is So 20th Century.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't like Starbucks because it's too popular or cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. It's
0: good. And they have good, good cool drinks, too, obviously.
1: Yeah, we are suckers for... Uh java chip frappuccino oh
0: god i love those and things and
1: that's cold and that that's a that's
0: a <laughs> that's a nutritious drink
1: yeah that's like that's a candy a... bar in a glass <laughs> okay bob how many times a day does the average person blink
0: oh that's good i bet that's hundreds of times i say let's see every hour you let's think... say every minute hang on just a moment sure, i, give I a can moment. give
1: you minute day or year
0: oh well i can't well i <laughs> Hope you're happy. If
1: it makes you happy, just do one minute.
0: Okay. For every minute, I'd say 75 times. 12. Oh, okay.
1: 10,000 times a day.
0: Wow. 10,000 times a day? How
1: many minutes in an hour? But anyway, 10,000 times a day and 4.2 million times a year. The average person blinks.
0: Okay. I have an interesting little uh, question. You know, every once in a while when there's something that happens in history, and there's always some observer there that makes an observation and goes... You know, from this point on, this is going to happen. And you go, wow, that guy really knew what he was talking about. Uh So this goes back to a newspaper called the Niles Register, which we've never heard of. But it was the first weekly to aggregate national news in the United States. And in 1831, it predicted something. It had to do with the railroads. Its editor predicted something about America from that point on. It had to do with telling time.
1: Oh, that we would have universal
0: standard time. No. That's true. That did come about because of the railroads. Okay. In 1831, he declared, from now on, distance will not be measured by miles, but by hours and minutes. People will say it's 10 hours to such a place or 49 minutes to another. Oh, okay. And this editor, Hezekiah Niles, came up with this. He observed that at that time. I thought that was fascinating. Hezekiah.
1: Yeah. Isn't that interesting? He was talking
0: about... He was talking about the distance. Yeah. Because, you know, in some cases, it might take two days to get somewhere. A railroad would be put, in, it'd take two hours to get there. So people would start measuring things yeah. in terms of yeah. how much time does Which it take. Which is true.
1: Like, uh, we go to L.A., it's you know, six, five hours. Yeah. It's six yeah. hours. You yeah. don't
0: say how many miles. You say how many minutes yeah. or many hours. So I thought that was a pretty good observation. That goes all the way back to 1831. Okay. Okay, another observation. How did early journalists feel the telegraph changed American consciousness?
1: Well, obviously it meant immediate news, which they never had before,
0: right? That's exactly right. The New York Herald said that the telegraph has originated in the mind a new species of consciousness. Never before was anyone conscious that he knew with certainty what was happening somewhere in a distant city. Yeah. Never before.
1: Must have been mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah. I had many of those experiences in our lifetime just with the evolving of the, uh, you know, the computer, internet, the sharing files, the Twitter, whatever. You could do Every, every pictures. Send. Cell phones,
0: yeah. Uh, Video conferencing.
1: Yeah. Yes, we've had many milestones Absolutely. Like it's fascinating.
0: I'll have another one in just a moment.
1: Well, it is my turn, Bob.
0: I know, that's why I'm teasing that i've got something well, other interesting coming up
1: oh and i don't
0: after your boring <laughs> question no 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 i'm just kidding no
1: why do we say bob buckle down when it's time to get serious mm. where does that where come does from does that
0: come from buckle down buckle down That's buckle down now bob okay that's got to be something to do with a form of transportation ah buckling maybe like buckle into a train or would it be a stagecoach or something like that
1: absolutely wrong okay (laughs) (laughs) it goes back to the days of knighthood oh my goodness yeah when preparing for combat the knights would require their squires to attend to their armor by oiling it laying out and then buckling it onto their bodies how well this was done could be the difference between life and death for the knight. so buckling down was a very serious business The squire had to buckle it to his master just so, otherwise...
0: That sword could come through and kill you. Yeah,
1: exactly. Just to play off that knight thing, what was the big reason for the decline in popularity of suits of armor, Bob? (laughs) Why did they go unpopular suddenly? Well, suddenly unpopular? Well, pretty quickly.
0: I would assume, had something to do with uh, gunpowder.
1: That is exactly right. Good good for you. Gunpowder could obliterate most suits of armor, and I would think uh, the need to go to the bathroom was also a problem. But but, uh, the invention of guns was pretty much the end of knights in shining armor.
0: Okay. All right, I have a question for you. What is the lowest altitude freshwater lake in the world? Now, freshwater, not saltwater, Lake Baikal, In Russia, the Sea of Galilee in Israel, Lake Malawi in Africa, or the Caspian Sea, which is north of Iran?
1: Which one is what? The lowest? The
0: lowest altitude freshwater lake in the world.
1: Okay. I'll say the first one. Was that Russia? In Russia? Yeah.
0: No. Okay. Good guess. No, it's the Sea of Galilee, which is oh. actually a lake. I always assumed that was salt water, like the Dead Sea yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. No, it's also known as Lake Tiberias, and it's the largest freshwater lake in Israel. It is 686 feet below sea level, the lowest altitude freshwater lake in the world. Now, the only lake that sits lower is the Dead Sea, but that's a saltwater lake. Okay. And that's 1,414 feet below sea level, lowest point on the Earth's surface. And those two bodies are only 90 miles apart.
1: Oh, really? Yeah,
0: isn't that interesting?
1: Okay, Bob, why is a false promise called pie in the sky? You know, like your idea for almost
0: anything I say is Oh, thank pie. you much.
1: Is <laughs> pie Anything in the- <laughs> I've
0: predicted is just pie in the sky. I didn't know it was considered a false promise. I thought it was just something that probably would never take place. Or unattainable. Unobtainable. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Why is it called pie in the sky?
1: It comes from a song in the early 1900s, a radical workers' union song called The Preacher and the Slave Hmm. blamed the church for suppressing the poor with promises of rewards in heaven. And it went like this... You will eat by and by in that glorious land above the sky. Work and pray, live on hay, you'll get pie in the sky when you die, by and by.
0: Oh, dear. No (laughs) kidding. So it came from a popular song. Yeah,
1: (laughs) and uh, that one little phrase, pie in the sky, stood out and people kept using it.
0: Okay, so when
1: was that again? Early 1900s. You've heard this phrase, but I don't know if you knew they were somebody's dying words. Who was it that said it? On the whole, I would rather be in Philadelphia.
0: I thought that was W.C. Fields who said that. And you thought
1: right. I just didn't know if you knew that. Oh, okay. He died on Christmas Day, 1946, and his name was William Claude Duncanfield. Very, very interesting.
0: Okay, Marcia, what is the oldest public art museum in the United States? Any idea where it might be? Uh, I'll give you choices. It could be in Boston, could be in uh, Los Angeles, could be in New York. It's an art museum? Yes. Well, I go to New York, you'd think that would be it,
1: but that's too... I'll say Boston.
0: Okay, there's one more possibility. I'm sorry. It could be in Hartford, Connecticut. So what's the answer, Marcia? (laughs) I'll
1: say Hartford, Connecticut. (laughs) Yes, you're
0: right. Oh, I gave that one away. Yeah, it's the Wadsworth Atheneum Museum. It's spelled A-T-H-E-N-U-M, like Athens, okay? In Hartford, Connecticut, an artist, Daniel Wadsworth, who was heir to a large fortune, opened it in 1844, and it's still there. Okay, now what is the largest art museum in the United States by square feet? Is it the National Gallery of Art? Is it the Art Institute of Chicago? Is it the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York? I think
1: it's in D.C., isn't it? The
0: The National Gallery? Uh Uh-huh. The National Gallery?
1: (laughs) Wrong! (laughs) What pleasure.
0: That's okay. It is the Met, the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. Uh, Any idea how big it is?
1: No, I do not.
0: 633,000 square feet, home to how many pieces of art? More ah. than two million. Wow. Including works by Picasso, Monet, Rembrandt, and Van Gogh. It opened in 1872.
1: All right, Bob. Okay, these are just some random amusing signs posted around the globe, okay? Okay. I thought they were funny. Permitted vehicles not allowed. <laughs> Permitted vehicles yeah, not, not allowed. allowed.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Sorry. Okay,
1: here's one Teeth extracted by the latest Methodists. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So they're uh, are Protestants doing yeah, I teeth think extraction. So. Okay. And
1: here's one danger: slow men at work. And then, <laughs> and then the last one: ladies are requested not to have children
0: at the bar. Where are they supposed to have them? In a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> one more question: historic. What explorer has a river, a bay, and a strait named after him? Was it Christopher Columbus, Neil Armstrong? Henry Hudson or Captain John Smith?
1: I will say, Smith. Wrong!
0: (laughs) It's just wishful thinking, isn't it? Don't you wish you had a Smith that (laughs) had all those things? No, it's Henry Hudson. The Hudson River, Uh which flows uh, from upstate New York down to New York City. Hudson Bay in northeastern Canada. And the Hudson Strait, linking the Atlantic Ocean and the Labrador Sea. He was looking for the Northeast Passage. Or the Northwest Passage, more efficient route from Europe to Asia. And he failed to do so, but he went to all these places and got all those things named after him. All right. Okay, I've got a couple famous actors, and I want you to tell me what their real names are. Or I'll tell you what their names yeah. are, and then you tell me who they were. That's better. Okay, this is a guy who's uh, known as a big, tough guy. Uh, Mark Sinclair is his name, though, his real name.
1: Mark Sinclair. Jim, Mark Sinclair. Jimmy Cagney. No. Edward G. Robinson.
0: No. I don't know. He became a, a nightclub bouncer, and he adopted the name Vin Diesel. and that's, Oh, really? That's it. But his real name is Mark Sinclair. Okay. Been acting since he was a child. That's interesting.
1: Vin Diesel. Vin
0: Diesel of the New Brunswick Diesels? No. Um, <laughs> all right. How about this fellow? His name is Maurice Micklewhite. Maurice Micklewhite. Well,
1: that's a good one. He's here. British. Yeah, I was going to say.
0: Been acting since about 1954. Who? Michael Michael Caine. His real name was Maurice Micklewhite.
1: He looks like a Maurice Micklewhite.
0: Maurice Micklewhite. He's a good
1: actor. I like
0: him. Here's one. Michael Douglas. You've heard of him.
1: Uh-huh. This, the, but, but that's, that's not, not the not name the... this
0: guy goes by. Yeah. His real name is Michael Douglas. Uh-huh. He goes by Michael, but a different name.
1: Um, uh, Mike, uh, okay, what?
0: Michael Keaton. Oh, yeah? His real name is Michael Douglas. Oh,
1: he didn't want to, yeah, okay. No,
0: he thought about being Michael Jackson, but that would have been a bad <laughs> choice. Okay, one more here. All right. Her name is Diane Hall.
1: Her name is Diane Hall. It's not Annie Hall, Diane that, Keaton is, it is. Oh yes. Yeah? So that's why Woody Allen called uh, Annie, her Annie Hall. Annie
0: Hall, yeah, but her real name is Diane Hall, but Diane Keaton is her name, but he used her part of her real name. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I All thought right. those
0: were kind of interesting. Yeah, they okay, are. Okay, do you I, want to know what Whoopi Goldberg's real name is? It's not Whoopi? No. <laughs> what is it? Karen Elaine Johnson. Karen Johnson.
1: That's funny. Wow, did she jazz that up? Hey, whoopie Karen. Goldberg. <laughs> that's funny.
0: And whoopie is a term her family used whenever you let some gas go. Oh, really? So she was known as a little gasser. They said she was like a whoopie cushion. That was it. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's cute. I didn't know she got her name that
0: way. Yeah.
1: Uh, I have two quotes. This first one, Ronald Reagan. He said, I have left orders to be awakened at any time in case of national emergency, even if I'm in a cabinet meeting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He had a good sense of humor. Yes,
1: he did. And... Doug Larson said, instead of giving a politician the keys to the city, it might be better to change the locks. Oh, I think that's true. Oh,
0: my goodness, yes. All right. Well, that's it for this episode of The Off-Ramp. We invite you to send us any of your questions to stump the other person. We would love that. I'm Bob Smith. I'm Marcia Smith. Join us again next time when we return with more fascinating facts and tantalizing trivia here on The, the Off-Ramp. Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.